Welcome to When It's Falling Apart, the student podcast for conversations about falling apart and putting ourselves back together. Today's burnout episode is with Shanna Kennedy. Shanna is a qualified and accredited life strategist, sought-after business advisor, keynote speaker, facilitator, and best-selling author. She has more than 10 years' experience working in senior strategic sports marketing roles, working on major events and projects with leading sports brands, Olympians, and other elite athletes. She has also been on a 20-year journey with chronic fatigue and depression, which influences both her work and outlook on life. Our chat today centers on what led to her burnout experience, how she manages chronic fatigue from day to day, and how you as a student can take steps to preventing this in your own life while finding your purpose and maintaining motivation. Just a heads up, When It's Falling Apart podcast contains discussions around mental health as it exists to increase education and transparency around these matters. If you or someone you know needs support, we recommend contacting Beyond Blue or Lifeline, details for which are in the show notes. Alrighty, let's get chatting. Welcome to When It's Falling Apart. Thank you for coming on today. It is so great to be here. I love podcasts and sharing information with people to really help people. Amazing. Well, I'm very, very excited. So I'm going to start by asking you who you are outside of work, because I think that we're going to talk a lot about what you do today, but we're still people. And so I want to know things that aren't related to what you do. I love that question. I built my entire career around that question. I became a life coach, which we'll talk about later, but um, who are you outside of your job is such an important question to ask yourself because a lot of people don't know because they haven't done the work. But I had to say that about myself. It is really, I'm a calm, confident, really caring, warm-hearted, soul-nourishing person. And I'm a mum, I'm a wife, I'm really interested in growing and evolving and really challenging myself on a daily basis. I love moving my body, yoga and walking and lifting weights and 50 now. So got to keep doing that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's who I am. Always thinking, how can I grow today? I love that that's so comprehensive. It's so good that you know a lot of who you are. And then a little bit on brand for us. Can you tell me a time recently when things fell apart for you? Number one would be this time last year when, you know, in one week I lost 75% of my business basically when all of those speaking gigs around the country were cancelled all at once and I, I actually just had to sit there and try and breathe. It was like someone had hit me in the chest and I couldn't breathe. It was like how could that happen? Like how could I let that happen? And, and that just was out of my control. That really took my breath away and it took me a while to just gather myself again. Mm. Chronic fatigue, you know, 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, I should say, really changed my life. It completely made me stop and rethink my life. And then there's small things like last week, you know, I had to call an ambulance for my mum and she was really unwell. She's been unwell for a while. But, you know, when you go there and you're dialing triple O, that real fight or flight comes in where you think Mm. nothing else matters at the minute. Nothing else matters in the whole world except safety. Yeah. And it really rocks you for a few days when you're in those positions. Absolutely. It takes more of an emotional toll than we realize, isn't it? That's something I've learned recently that you can plan things down to the minute, but life happens in between and things like having to call an ambulance takes a toll. 
there's cortisol running through my veins. I could actually, because I'm so in tune, I could feel my hormones changing and it took like five days to get rid of that hormone out of the body. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? I know. Oh yeah. I don't think we recognize that enough. Five days. That's, that's mega. Well, you mentioned chronic fatigue before. That is something that I want to jump into and talk to you about because That's a huge part of your life and a huge part of, I think, what a lot of us can be on a track to. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to chronic fatigue and how you hit that point? Absolutely. I think when I finished school, I was this real A-type overachieving perfectionist, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are. Yeah. Go-getter, the hungry, the let's, you know, get launch right in. Except I didn't want to go to university. I actually wanted to go to work. And 25 years ago, um, you could sort of get away with that. I wanted to be a stockbroker. So I just basically rang a Melbourne stockbroking firm every day for 15 days until they couldn't stand my voice. And they said, yep, we'll give you a job in the filing department. So I was down in this dungeon with no windows and, you know, real dusty old contract notes and doing filing every day with a couple of ladies that hardly spoke English. And I was like, yes, I've got my foot in the door. This is how hungry I was. And I loved it. I just soaked it up. And within two years, I was one of the first girls to sit up on the trading desk. There was just no women around. There was no really ambitious women around either. So that was amazing. And then I realized it was a little bit like the Wolf of Wall Street. It was really not a place a woman really wanted to be, actually. Right. So I left and that's when I traveled the world for a couple of years on my own. And again, you know, high achiever, how many countries can I see? Yeah, tick them off the list. (laughs) Um, Getting jobs everywhere and having this incredible life experience. And then I came back and it was like, they said, well, we'd love to have you back, but we really want you to do your degree. And I just... I couldn't get my head around studying at night school and working in the day. It's really into the dollar, you know. So I just changed industry and I got a job as a secretary to a lawyer who was passionate about golf and he had eight of the country's best golfers. So I'm a total fake it till you make it. I only knew spreadsheets. I don't know how to write a letter. I don't know how to negotiate contracts. And he he basically said, I will teach you everything you need to know from the ground up if you're willing to learn. And me being a fake it till you make it, I'm, I'm so in. Yeah. So he taught me everything and it was amazing. We had 10 of the country's best golfers. He taught me how to negotiate contracts. He let me go on tour with, you know, these golfers and look after them and make sure they're at the events on time and their flights and their hotels. And then I was running corporate golf days for companies. Just the ultimate awesome job because you're traveling and you're working and you're around well, I'm going to watch Tiger Woods today. You know, it's just this wow 25-year-old girl. It's amazing. And then Ballet Sunglasses saw me at the golf and they said, we've got 200 athletes in 10 different sports. Come on over. We need a sponsorship manager. Well, another fake it till you make it, jump in and see if you can swim. I didn't even know the difference between triathlon and Ironman. You know, I've never followed cricket in my life. So who is Mark Waugh? I don't know. Um, So it was really fascinating to see how much your A-type personality can really get you from A to B without so much of the qualification, I suppose. I ran. I ran as fast as I could. I did as much as I could. I Sport is on the weekend. It's seven days a week. You just didn't take the time off. Well, I didn't anyway because I was so addicted to achievement. Yeah. 
And I think a lot of people in your position who are young and studying, and I coach a lot of them, have this addiction to achievement rather than trying to just pull back 10% and protect the asset, which is yourself. So I didn't have any self-care strategies. I had no boundaries. Right. I had no silence. Every time I found a pocket of not doing something, I would fill it as quickly as I could. I just couldn't sit still. So when you're addicted to the drive, it's called burnout. You end up burning out. And what our type of personality does is we ignore all of the warning signals. So, you know, you get a headache, you get the sore bones, your body hurts a bit. Oh, you'll still go to the dinner and you'll still go to the lunch and you'll still go to that party and you won't go and protect and refuel yourself. You'll just keep pounding and cracking the whip. So after probably two years of cracking the whip and really starting to feel things breaking inside, being in your, you know, mid, late 20s, I was like, it's okay, you'll bounce back. And then one day I just couldn't even get up. Wow. I had a massive hangover, but I hadn't done anything. Like the worst hangover, we've also been in a fight and been punched That's actually what real chronic fatigue feels like. It's an incredibly painful thing, except you look perfectly well. Right. That was really difficult because no one had even heard of it back then either. So everyone's like, well, what what do you mean? What's wrong with you? I'm like, I can't, I can't even turn the shower on. I can't drive my car. You have to turn all the lights off. They're burning my eyes. It's like all of your senses become really, really fried. That's when my life completely stopped. I couldn't even go to work. And that's when I realized who am I without my job? Because Mm. when I was in my job, I was everyone's best friend. I had free sunglasses to give away. I had money to give away. I had the best tickets in the house to give away. So I had a lot of friends, right? I had a lot of emails every day. Everybody wants to be around. I had zero and I was like, oh, this is exactly what happens to my athletes when they retire. They go from hero to zero overnight. They've been a superstar and everything for free and the next day they get nothing. So it was actually while I was lying there in incredible pain with a really big life realisation that you have to protect the asset, that you are actually the business. And what we do during the day is the ride that we get on, whether it's we're studying or we've got a job or we're raising a family. That's just the ride that you get on. That's not who you are. Who you are is really treating yourself like a business with all these different departments. And we've, you know, our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, and really thinking, who's the boss? That's who I actually work for now. My job is just on the side. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's a really hard thing to latch onto, especially as when you're on this side of the fence of you don't know who you are or where you're going or what you're doing. And so it does really merge with your identity. Was that quite a grad, like, was that a gradual process to get over that or did it all hit you at once? Well, it hit pretty hard. And after a year of being in bed, I got myself a life coach and there really weren't hardly any around, but I knew I didn't need a counsellor or a psychologist. I needed a strategist. So when I worked with a coach, we really dug into building me from the ground up. And that was with everybody is what are your values? Mm. Well, I'm sure most of your listeners have never heard that because we might know the values of the university or the company you work for, but what about the business of you? So I worked out that my values were my health, obviously, because I lost it. I worked out that I was an achievement junkie. So the achievement is now to look after myself rather than selling 20,000 books and speaking on stages and all of those wonderful things that I do. 
That's actually not the achievement. The achievement is how did I protect the asset? How did I say no? What self-care did I do today? How did I breathe? Um, And the third one for me is family happiness, which is how do I show up for my family, which is my clients, it's my kids, it's my husband, it's my parents, it's my friends. And that's that's the job. That's the boss. And when you work for that boss... Life is awesome. And then we we go and achieve outside of that, but we have to come back to knowing who the real boss is. Yeah. Was that a difficult process to work out what your values were? Like I think about, yeah, it's really awesome to know what your values are, but how do you even go about finding that? Well, that's why I wrote my book, The Life Plan. And that's how we start the book. The first section of the book is who are you without your job and what are your values? And I show people how to understand your values and I give them, you know, 40 words and you choose your top 10, then your top five, and then your top three. And once you've got your three, you put them everywhere as a phone saver on your car dashboard, mine are on the mirror. I see them every day. That's the boss. Don't forget who the boss is because when those things aren't working, there's no way you can be great as a student or as an employee or as an entrepreneur if the cracks are in the foundation. So it's such an important grounding point. Um, Mm. And to avoid burnout, we have to know who the boss is. Yeah. And do you think there's a subject to change? I know I like the idea of having values, but I would want to do them perfectly. And I would want my values to be my values. And they're the ones that I'm going to stick with. But that's not real life, is it? Well, I think you you reassess them every five years because you really do change as a person every five years. There's something called the seven-year life cycle and every seven years you're a completely different person oh, and you have a completely different body. So yeah. every seven years, five to seven years, I really do do that re-evaluation piece, but mine have never changed. Really? And people's don't change. The top three don't change, but some of the others might underneath. Oh, wow. So it is just getting over that hurdle of actually writing something down. Yeah. And then putting it on a sticky note and having it on your computer. You know, mine's right here on the sticky note, health, family achievement. Oh, wow. The boss. This has been here for 20 years. So while I'm achieving like an achievement junkie and keep setting more things on my to-do list and more goals that I want to go and smash because I love doing that, that's such burnout material. Yeah. That I have to come back to, or hang on, to be able to do all of that, you have to be firing on all cylinders. So what are you doing to ensure that your tanks are full? Mm. I think that's so relevant for for uni students in that trying to work out what to take on and trying to work out what's going to be of the most benefit, you do actually have to come back to why you're doing it and what's important to you. Well, as a uni student, you know, you, you've got to have a job and then you've got to do your um, your studies and you've got to meet new people and then you've got to have a little bit of experience out there as well. So there's a lot of different things that you're balancing and trying to work out. Like I had my first life coach at 29 and I wish I'd started a little bit earlier and just learnt the life skills that you don't get to learn at school. I wouldn't have been so burning rubber the whole time because it was not necessary. You didn't need to do that. No. You don't need to do that. (laughs) You pace yourself a tiny bit and just back off 10% and really start thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. What is the purpose of today and um, what direction am I going in and just checking in with yourself. We do this wonderful thing about looking in the mirror and when was the last time you looked in the mirror? You know, we see two-year-olds looking in the mirror with their nose touching the mirror. Yeah. So now you're at uni, when you look in the mirror, it's all about the external, you know, what's happening with my hair or for me, my Mm. wrinkles or whatever it might be. 
but we've forgotten to connect with ourselves. We're not mm. asking ourselves in the mirror, how are you going? We're not treating ourselves or talking to ourselves like we're our best friend. Mm. I think that's a hard that's point to that. get to. It's looking at your internal dialogue and saying, how am I actually treating myself, talking to myself, pushing myself, being kind to myself, and what's most important? I'm teaching 60-year-olds how to do it, and I'm thinking, wow, if they'd learned that when they were in their 20s, they would have saved yeah. a whole lot of heartache. So I do coach a lot of younger people on these non-negotiable skills to take them right through. Yeah, well, that's something I think that I know there are so many times I've turned to my friends and said, oh, I just need a life coach. I need someone to sort my life out. I need to go and speak to someone. But often it's not super accessible. And as you're saying, you know, you're working part-time and you're doing all these extracurriculars and life coaches can be expensive or they can be difficult to get to. So what does that sort of first step look like when someone does see a life coach? What What is the appointment like? When you see a life coach, it's about sitting down with a strategist, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's like getting a personal trainer and saying, you know, I can go to the gym myself, but if you're there and you've got a great program for me and we've got a goal together, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be motivating. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to look forward to coming. It's a bit like having a life coach, but we're doing that for every department. Let's look mm-hmm. at your money. Let's look at your health, your mental health, what you're telling yourself, your emotional health, how much you're giving and not receiving. So you're burning out the whole time. Let's look at your attitudes. Let's look at your um, your ability to really achieve but not feel fulfilled. And then we look at doing you know, vision creation and planning and setting goals that are a bit more balanced because setting goals and smashing them is pretty easy, right? I think so anyway. But looking after ourselves is not easy. So we will sacrifice some of the most important things for ourselves just to prove something to ourselves. And I think when you work with a coach, we pair it all back and we simplify life. We get it all simple. We get a nice little map going for the brain. We get some affirmations that really support you. We, We really want to teach you some of those fundamental basics. Yeah, amazing. So bringing it back to burnout and when you actually do burnout, I think a lot of students hit that point where they actually just can't do anymore. And whether that's to the extent of chronic fatigue or sort of burnouts, I feel like I have burnouts every month at this point because I'm just working too hard and then crashing for a few days and then it all starts again. But you're caught in this constant cycle of there's always an assignment coming up or there's an exam that's the next period or you've got some a busy period at work. And so when you hit that and you're trying to balance everything, what sorts of things do you recommend aside from stepping back and working out your values, but when you've got commitments locked in that you can't get out of? or you've said you're going to do something, how do you how do you work on that? Well, you've got to think that you're an athlete, right? So if you're an elite athlete and you're running all day and you're running around, if you don't have any drink stops, you're going to burn out. So it's about really managing your time and your boundaries to say, what are the activities that I can do that fill my tank? It's like, I want to go and do all of these things, put on the mask and help everybody else, but who's filling my oxygen tank? That whole analogy from the plane, you put the mask on first and then help everybody is what what a lot of people are doing and just putting the mask on everybody else and forgetting themselves or they're putting it on, but they're not filling the tank. So it's empty. So it's working out what your non-negotiables are. Every day, 
the three things that are non-negotiable for you, whether that be 10 minutes of meditation, five minutes of journaling, two litres of water, some of those really basic things that are very consistent that you never give up on. You know, I always lie on the ground with my legs up the wall for 10 minutes before I go to sleep. I get the blood every day all the other way, every day. Do my breathing. I lie with my legs up the wall. I do a little bit of writing in my gratitude journal and then I go to sleep. I don't have worry brain. I don't process. All my processing is done with the blood going the other way and cleaning out all the organs. And then I go to sleep, which is the big dishwasher for your brain. And there's some non-negotiables around the sleep time. And there's non-negotiables around getting up in the morning and moving my body for an hour, even when I don't feel like it because then I always feel better. I think what a lot of people do is don't have those grounding forces that are really important. Every time you go to the bathroom and wash your hands, you could take three deep breaths and oh, refuel yourself, really mm. refuel yourself. And if you're going to wash your hands five or six times a day, it's like 15 breaths, diaphragmatic grounding breaths. That's the stuff that makes a difference. That's better than taking a pill. Mm. So it's about learning how to self manage self-care self-mastery self-leadership tend to the garden first and then open the gate yeah and is it just trial and error to work out what worked for you is there a list that we can subscribe to it's a little bit like your mindset right it's a mindset so uh, i call them the bookends of the day how you start and finish the day everything else in between can be pretty chaotic um you know i'm a wife i've got two kids i've got two businesses i coach i speak i write books i go on publicity tours um corporate courses lunch and learns that i do i've got public courses that i do at night for people you know, my life's pretty full, mm. but I don't say stressed or busy. I only say full because I don't want to say the word stressed or busy because it sends the bad signals. So I just say life is full. So be really careful how you train your brain. But I always start with what are the bookends of the day? How do you wake up and how do you go to sleep? Because those first and last hours of the day you control. So I get up at six. My family gets up at seven. I've got this hour to go and move my body, to maybe do some writing to stretch, to do some yoga, whatever it may be. Um, I go to the beach every morning at six, so it's been pretty dark lately. But I breathe and I'm grateful and I start the day as a winner already. And then I go and have my shower and do some more breathing and supplements and breakfast. And then when we finish the day, it's a bit of riding and my legs up the wall, a bit of gratitude work just to calm the farm. We've got to calm down (laughs) before we go to sleep. And the other thing is I never have the phone in the bedroom, ever. Right. I've been told this before that you got to take control back in your life by not waking up and touching your phone. Do not touch the phone. It's <laughs> a stress signal to your body before you even get out of bed. So mm. if you're the asset and this really amazing person that wants to be an athlete, don't sabotage yourself. So my kids, my husband, none of us have the phone in the bedroom. We have alarm clocks, boring old alarm clocks. Yep. But what it means is the brain gets a chance to really rest. It's not lying there with the phone next to you that's got breaking news and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and and emails and work. We don't want to sleep with that next to your head. It's all there in your subconscious. So when we remove it from the bedroom, it's a little bit like your brain just said, oh, thank goodness, I can switch off. Mm -hmm. So something as simple as that has changed so many people's lives, I can't tell you, that email and say, I sleep completely differently 
because my phone is not in the bedroom because the temptation is there when we go to bed just keep scrolling and flicking Mm. and liking Mm. so all of that imagery and processing and judgment you just did as you're trying to calm everything down it's like you sped it all up and then try and have a sleep yeah it doesn't make sense does it no putting the phone away for an hour before you go to bed and just watching a show or reading or doing some stretching or whatever that's what the athlete would do Mm. so why would you not do it for yourself yeah amazing I really like that never gonna sleep with my phone next to my bed again it's gonna be out in the kitchen In the kitchen, yeah. Even put yeah. the alarm on in the kitchen so you have to get up and it's and you're out of bed. What I'm if? sure my family will love that with yeah. my alarm ringing through the house. <laughs> yeah. We just have those little alarm clocks yeah. and life is really simple that way because if I put the phone next to my bed, there is so much going on globally for me around the world mm-hmm. that my brain would never switch off. So important. So important. We don't have the fuel to front up day after day for all the clients, the interviews, the the planning and be a wife and, and look after my two teenagers. It's not going to be possible. Yeah. So do they have their phones in their room at no. night? I'm the meanest mum on the planet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, 9.30, you've got to turn your phone off. Oh, you should see how they sleep. It's incredible. Really? Yeah, they're great sleepers. And then waking up refreshed. Makes such a difference. (laughs) One other thing I really wanted to talk to you about is goals because I've always had an issue with goals and I avoid them like a plague because I'm just so scared of failing them or I don't want to say out loud that I'm going to do something and then not reach it. I heard actually one of my friends the other day say, I don't even want to give myself the hope of thinking it's possible um, because I might just let myself down. I think that for sort of a type perfectionist personality where everything's going on, setting those goals can actually be really difficult. So what would you recommend in changing that? How do you even start? That's like saying, I don't want to drive a car in case I like hit a pole one day. Yeah. you know, touch park one day and look at all you've missed out on for not driving a car. Yeah. So it's like opening up your brain to say, I will embrace whatever happens. But what happens when we don't set goals is your mind has no map. So you're driving around in a circle, getting exhausted. If your brain has a map, it's like, oh, I I really, I think I want to do that or run that marathon or it could be something really small like get an A or honours or whatever it might be. Aim for that. Mm. Aim high. If you aim low, you will play low. You will do average. It's not a growth mentality. Setting goals is just about just throwing out a few seeds, right? Mm. It's about getting emotional about them, getting latched onto them and then having something to get up for every day and then celebrating all the tiny wins along the way. And if we don't get there, I tell you what, we would have learned a lot along the way and a lot of other doors will open up. But if you hold yourself back from allowing the brain to dream, from allowing the brain to have great imagination, you will always play average. So lean in and play. You know, if we don't get it, who cares? It's playtime. Yeah, I think that's so important. We do get so caught up in what am I going to achieve? What can I put on the resume of my life? And who can I say I am? But we forget to sort of live. My grandma always says to me, have you smelt the roses lately? Have you actually just stopped and enjoyed your life? What about life is a playground, mm. right? And we're going to get on lots and lots of different rides and we're studying and we've got that job and we've got that relationship and things are going to keep changing. 
We're going to keep changing. So you can either really enjoy it and be light and vibrant about it, or you can get really serious about it, too serious, in fact, that it becomes toxic. Mm. So you play to the strength of an A-type personality by running at 80%. When you go past 80%, you become toxic. You sabotage yourself. You burn out. You can't smell the roses. You don't have joy. You don't see the light side. You forget to dance. You forget to sing. That last 20% of our strength actually is called the um, shadow side of us. All your shadow. Yeah. in your strength. So it's a really bad place to be. It's the dark side. So we want to really embrace that we want to do well and that we're driven and motivated, but we don't want to fall into the self-sabotage on the other side. So we just need to just cut it back a tiny bit and then you get to really grow and bloom and flourish and evolve in life. Which is exactly what we want. Yeah, we do not want to fall back. You know, your whole podcast is about we don't want to burn out. We don't want to fall apart. And that usually happens when we just take it all a bit too seriously or we go a little bit too hard or we run that leg of the marathon so hard that we actually can't finish it anymore. Mm. So it's pacing yourself, but it's also really important to give the brain a map of where you want to go, just generally like a GPS. And yeah, we might have road bumps and we might have road works along the way and we might have a few crashes here and there, but we'll get there eventually better than not setting the goal at all. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know I'm going to go home and not put my phone next to my bed and write out some goals that I'm not going to be scared of. (laughs) That's your playtime, right? So play, think big, allow the imagination and just sit in it. And even by doing that, you just open up all these new parts of the brain, which can get excited. And if we don't get there, it doesn't matter. It's okay. (laughs) But we might get 70% there. But even 70% there, you would have grown so much as a person rather than staying the same and playing small. But protect the asset, have really solid boundaries, some really great non-negotiables so you don't burn out and you don't fall apart. You want to enjoy this part of your life as much as possible. So just see where your ratio is at the moment would be my advice. And thank you for having me on the show. It's really wonderful to be able to share all of the wonderful insights that we get from being a coach and coaching so many different types of people and learning from people who have made those mistakes like myself, where I would not wish chronic fatigue upon anyone in the world. And for anybody interested in reading more about what you have to say, you have a lot of books out. <laughs> yes. Well, the life plan is it came out at the moment, mm-hmm. only $19, which is fantastic value. Amazing. It came out, it was 40. So they've repackaged it up a little bit. It's launching in the US next year as well. So the life plan is this beautiful coffee table style book that I wanted like the Donahay simple cookbook, but one for your life. So it's full Amazing. of pictures. You'll love it. You can write in it. Um, so the life plan, you can order it online or go into a store and that will take you on the journey. It will help you step by step really build a great life plan. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure and um, I wish you all the very best and look forward to sharing more insights in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of When It's Falling Apart podcast. To keep up to date, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts for new episodes every Friday and make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. These links are in your show notes.
If this episode has triggered anything for you around mental health, I recommend reaching out to Beyond Blue by calling 1300 22 46 36 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. When It's Falling Apart is produced by Behind the Grand Media and Meg Reid. 